Welcome to Crypto Talk Radio, the podcast for everyday investors like you. Visit us on the web at CryptoTalkRadio.net. And now, here's your host, Leister. Thank you for that, Bailey, and welcome everybody out there in Crypto Talk Radio found at CryptoTalkRadio.net. Welcome or welcome back to Crypto Talk Radio found at CryptoTalkRadio.net. My name is Leister. I'm your host. If you're new to the show, I want to thank you and hopefully everybody, both new and old, had a good holiday, Christmas break, away from work, hopefully. Spend time with the family, get some good gifts. I don't know if anybody still does gifts, but if you did, hopefully you got some good stuff. Hopefully you enjoyed the break. And most importantly, I hope you were not staring at your cryptocurrency. If you're staring at your cryptocurrency, it's going to upset me just to warn you. There was a couple of things I wanted to talk about, and I do need to talk about an exchange, and it's connected to the news update I'm going to cover. There's a couple other topics I also want to get through. A quick personal thing, just keep in the loop on stuff. I had set up my business funding stuff, and I got to contact my, my point of contact for the endeavor with the new financial stuff. Hopefully I can do a clean cutoff on the tax business. I have an open tax bill right now, and that's due in two days. So tomorrow I'm going to cut that uh, payment for the remainder of the past due. I shouldn't say past due, the due, current due. And then come the new year, I'll file taxes again, but I'm hoping to get it done under the business as opposed to right now it's I'm as an independent. So from a filing perspective, it's convenient. But what I found is that the types of deductions I can do are a lot, they're a lot less than what I want. And I know there's been the big news of Donald Trump, you know, and his, you know, not paying taxes and all that. And the truth is as a business, there's so many deductions. There's so much that you can just deduct straight off where you don't owe nearly as much as you would if you're an individual. And the media slants this because if you've never filed as a business, you wouldn't understand. But in the United States, the tax system favors businesses. They do everything they can to make things easy for businesses. I could go down a rattle list of all the different things that businesses have way easier than individuals by far. You would be appalled if I were to do so. I'm not going to do so. You can search yourself and I'm sure there's copious resources. Suffice to say, businesses get, they get so much freedom in the tax filing, in the deduction sets, employees and things you get there. There's so much that you get as a business that you don't get as an individual. The individual has it harder. I'm telling you straight. So I understand in your mind, you're thinking Donald Trump files like you do, right? 1040. No, he doesn't. He might file a 1040, but the truth is where we're talking about and the tax burden is on the business side. And he's smart because a lot of his stuff is transacted under the business side. There's a reason that the governments favor businesses. It's because in their mind, if you don't support the businesses and make it easy on them from a tax perspective, it's going to crumble the economy. So they, they give businesses an out all, all over the place. I'm just saying that's what it is. And I'm going to take a badge of that. Doop, doop, doop. Anyway, let's go ahead and get into some cryptocurrency, shall we? got a couple of things to go through. 
right up the jump, let's talk some numbers. Coindesk.com, if you want to follow along. And I'm looking at Ethereum. And I zoom out to the month chart. And the month chart shows me, potentially, that we're headed back up. I expect that we're headed back up. But we had a rough road getting there over the past couple of days. We had some upward momentum. We lost a lot of that upward momentum. We regained some of that upward momentum. And then we lost it again. So, and anybody that's been listening to my show for a while here at CryptoTalkRadio.net heard me straight up say, unlike a lot of people online, heard me straight up say, I expect there's going to be some volatility. And so be careful in whatever your trade strategy is. This is the, this is the bottom line. Right now, the volatility is easy. It's easy for a number of different reasons. Let, setting aside the Gary Gensler's and the Janet, you know, all that. Setting that aside, you also have to understand that at various levels of this business, there are cell pressure that we have to fight through, aka resistance. There is certainly a bullish overall sentiment. People are out shopping, and it is strongly probable that we're going to hit highs that we've never seen before. But you have to manage yourself. You have to control the excitement and train yourself not to get overexcited about green candles. And trust me, I understand how hard it is. I'm not suggesting that it's easy. I'm suggesting it's necessary because the volatility is necessary. It's natural. Think about it. If we didn't have price dips, you wouldn't be able to buy at a discount. Because like I said, you should consider these dips as discounts for anything that you're strong on. Don't consider it as a, as a problem. In some cases, if it's a garbage token, there may be a problem. But in many cases, it's simply a, a byproduct. It's a discount, just like you'd see at the store. And if it's one that you believed in already, training yourself to think of it as a discount helps guide your strategy because you're no longer afraid when things are going to red. That doesn't mean that you should YOLO or FOMO in everything. That's why I said things you believe in. And hopefully you have a strong plan as to what you're going to invest in and not just investing in green candles. It's up to you what you do with your money. I'm saying I would suggest that you don't do that because volatility is going to happen. There's nothing we can do about it. Some news bits. Apparently, and I didn't see this because I wasn't following the token in question, but apparently the Telcoin, rather, T-E-L, token, got breached. Not itself, not its contract, but there was a wallet on the Polygon chain. And... This exploit of this wallet, $1.2 million worth of funds were drained from the accounts. Allegedly, and I'm not sure how this all played out, allegedly the accounts that were breached never had transacted through Telcoin's official application. I don't know enough details about why that would be, how that could possibly be. In other words, they're implying that there's a, this other wallet got affected that's on the Polygon chain, not their own wallet, and anybody that was transacting on their own wallet allegedly was safe for this. But I, I dug a bit deeper because they allegedly rolled out a fix. Well, if it wasn't you, what exactly did you fix? Here's my guess. And I'm going to read what they said here in a second, but my guess is that something happened where in their own contract, it allowed this wallet to be exploited for just this token, as in 
The wallet itself wasn't the problem. It was still their contract. Here's what they said. Quote, we've identified the root cause, which was not an issue with the Telcoin wallet code, but with the proxy implementation of the wallet on Polygon, primarily impacting wallets that have never initiated transactions. We had deployed a fix to stop further exploitation. We plan to restore all wallets to their previous balances for all affected assets prior to turning the app service back on, which may take some time. No keys, backend systems, or user data were breached. We will provide another update soon and appreciate everyone's patience and support. Stop. So, the way that this is worded, again, seems to point at the contract. Not necessarily the wallet, but the contract itself. They refer to a proxy implementation. In a past episode, I talked about my distaste for proxy. Proxy simply says that contract A is able to be executed from or executing to contract B, where contract B is really doing the heavy lifting. When it's like an offload, when transactions go this route, it makes it harder for these scanners who are trying to analyze to determine if there is a breach risk. They can't scan the proxy. Not always. If something happens to the proxy, that means your funds are at risk. They're not safe as it is. This would seem to imply the very risk that we talked about inherent to proxy contracts and the reason why they are considered a high risk by security organizations because they are themselves vulnerable and because they are generally not scannable, not always, generally not scannable, it means you have a black hole. Now, I know what they would say. We got audited, deep, deep, deep. As I said before, the audit firms can't always catch everything. So it's not a perfect science. The, the whole intent was that the contract should be publicly accessible and available and reviewable by anybody who wants to check it out. And when proxy contracts became a thing, you're adding layers of obfuscation that make it hard to do a deep dive analysis to really understand what's going on with the contract. And again, the audit firms may or may not identify obvious risks, or it could be a new vulnerability that wasn't detected before. But your risk vector increases the more that you add layers to the contract as opposed to simply having a single layer public contract that's out there that can be reviewed as per normal. I'm not placing any blame on them. I'm saying that when you have the proxy contract in any of these that do show a proxy contract, you have to understand there's a strong risk of problems inherent to this. So I was watching that one closely because there are so many out there with proxy contracts that here's where I was going with it. It is possible that these same hackers could exploit other such contracts that implement in a similar way or with similar framework. And we don't know that yet. So I'm going to watch and see if that does tend to uh, surface. Japan. The cabinet of Japan proposes scrapping a corporate tax on unrealized crypto gains. If you're not in the United States, you don't you may not know what we're talking about. When you have unrealized gains, what we're saying is that the calculated value of your assets has increased by a factor of X. And the governments want to tax you against X even though you have not realized any real profit because you didn't sell it yet. In the United States, 
They don't really care. They're looking to see that there was a gain of financial value, fiat, of a certain percentage, and they charge against that, capital gains tax. The U.S. government has always wanted to charge, essentially, the capital gains tax against cryptocurrency gains. This is why the IRS asks you to line out all the different cryptos and what the gains were. The flaw, as I indicated on a previous episode, is the value that is placed upon the cryptocurrency at the time that it's calculated does not equate straight over to fiat. It cannot do because you haven't sold it yet. It's a made-up number. It may be getting traded at a certain number. That doesn't mean it has that value. It's a fallacy. That's what it is. So what the Japan cabinet is proposing doing is to stop taxing unrealized cryptocurrency gains in an attempt to increase the adoption of cryptocurrency. The quote, the proposal, which needs to be debated in the Diet, their parliament, will end corporate taxation on the difference between the market and book values of crypto assets issued by other companies. If it becomes law, the 22 approval would end a discrepancy in the treatment of third-party issued assets and those issued by holders who are not taxed on mark-to-market values. The taxes hindered Web3 businesses in the country. Stop. So, unlike in the United States, what this is essentially saying, what this is essentially saying, when it says difference between the market and book value of crypto assets, this is specifically targeting corporate. In a past episode, I talked about the fact that companies, by and large, are expected to pay taxes on unrealized gains, but they're not allowed to deduct unrealized losses. And there was a lobby in order to make it fair. If one is true, then the other must be true. This is different. This is basically saying, let's just get rid of the tax regardless because it doesn't matter. When it says difference between the market and the book value, by identifying that difference, you're identifying that there was losses, especially like Bitcoin, there was loss that took place. As a result, the books look different just because it's, so-called pumping right now does not necessarily equate to a gain in the business's bottom line. Seems logical, right? Of course, the United States doesn't want to hear that. They want to tax you deep, deep, deep. I'm just calling it out because I thought it was interesting to see that this all of a sudden became a, a thing. I think it's good, but I think it's interesting that it became a thing all of a random sudden. News out of the way. Let's talk about an exchange. Shout out to Geechee from our tried community. And I needed to talk about this exchange because it tied to some news also that happened, unfortunately, over the past couple of days. And I wasn't following it close because I thought they were crap anyway. But since it's relevant, let's talk about it. MexC. MexC Global. There was some shady business happening with MexC. MexC has since come out and denied what has been stated. However, screenshots have been given. Tweets have been given. There's a lot of smoke behind this one. I'll bottom line and summarize as best I can what appears to be happening. And I have no evidence because I'm not in Mexico, nor would I ever be. In, I, I talked on an older episode. People get in centralized exchanges and they don't read the terms and conditions. But vast majority of the exchanges, if not all of them, have three things in every single, every single one of them. Three things are listed in their terms. Number one, essentially, they control the crypto. 
It's not your wallet. You don't own it. They own it. And they're your custodian for your assets. Every last one of them basically says the same thing on the centralized side. That's why it's centralized. Number one. Number two, if you misrepresent anything about the information that they that you gave them, they reserve the right to close the account. Pretty much every last one of them says the same thing. Number three, and this is where this fiasco came into play. They, I call crypto a casino. Almost all, not all, but the vast majority of crypto exchanges have verbiage along the lines of, if it turns out that what you're doing is cutting into our bottom line in some way, we can take this, almost swore, we can take it from you, okay? We can take it back, claw back. So because people don't read the terms, they don't understand that the crypto exchange, the assets that you give them, essentially you no longer own them, number one. And two, most importantly, if it turns out that something that you're doing causes them losses beyond whatever hidden threshold they deem fit, they reserve the right to take the stuff from you. Do, do, do. And so what people were sending out on social media was this messaging that allegedly they were getting completely liquidated, having done nothing wrong. In doing some deeper dives, people created a pattern. And the pattern was those that are gambling. So you're doing futures, mostly futures, but you're doing all of these gambling type trades, margin type trades and big players, they're doing these truck trades and then they win it big. It's going to sound like a casino because that's what it is. So let's say you do a 50X on something and you happen to strike it big. One guy said, I I won over $100,000 on my trade. It was a straight up trade. I, I basically bought the news and got, I won big. And then all of a sudden, Mexi stole the money from his account, froze the account. He contacted support. He submitted documentation Support came back and said, and I will quote this, quote, regarding the account restrictions and issues related to futures trading or assets that you have raised, our risk control system and relevant personnel have conducted a thorough examination. It has been identified that there have been abnormal trading activities in your account and associated accounts. In accordance with the terms of use, we have taken measures to recover the losses incurred. So, when it says in accordance with terms of use, here's the key. There are screenshots that were shared from MEXC that gave a, a sight of the section of the terms. Quote, blocking and closing order requests as actions they've taken, freezing your account and any assets contained therein, recovering any profits obtained in violation of this agreement or other legal documents to compensate for any losses incurred, disclosing the alleged violations and action taken, deleting any information posted by you that is found to be in violation. So I want to target freezing your assets and any, your account and any assets contained. That's normal. We know exchanges do that. But recovering any profits obtained in violation of this agreement or other legal documents to compensate for any losses incurred. You might be like, well, wait, what did he violate? Well, in the terms, again, they, they left it wide open. If, you, if something you're doing results in significant losses to them, even if you didn't do anything wrong, you're essentially beating the house. If I think you can see casino terminology, you're beating the house. They're saying, 
if you beat the house, we can take it back. That's what it is. And that's what they did. And they did this to a number of people. This is not a concerted one or two people. There are people in multiple countries that call the same thing happening to them. The other one I saw, deleting any information posted by you that is found to be in violation. What happens is all of the order book history inside the exchange was deleted. And they noticed, where's all the order history? It's all gone. So they deleted the trail of activities that led to that transaction because leaving them on the order book might expose to other people how that enrichment took place. I'm not absolving Mexi of anything. What I'm telling you is that Mexi, as well as pretty much all of them, retain the right to take back any profits you make from them. Which is why I say, if you're going to go into an exchange, make sure you don't leave it there. But because they're essentially casinos, people get tempted because Mexi themselves will offer low fees. The one reason people jump to Mexi is because they have the lowest fees of all the exchanges. So they jump over there, not realizing the terms and the fact that you're essentially pulling your pants down and putting a straw Vaseline off the side because that's exactly what will happen to you if and when they feel like it. Does it guarantee it'll happen to you? No, but there's a risk that it might. So if you are in Mexi or you're thinking about Mexi, I'm not telling you what to do with your money. I'm telling you this did happen. It's a legitimate thing. Mexi came out later and said it's FUD. It's not true. Then there was messaging that the Mexi CEO quit Twitter or X. Mexi denied having a CEO. People dug up an old tweet from the Mexi official account with that person's Twitter handle at the time. This is 2021. And it appears to be the same. Now, I can't confirm or deny any of this because, again, I didn't follow Mexi. What I am saying to you is that there's a lot of smoke around Mexi right now. So if you're in it or thinking about being in it, I implore you to be careful and not leave your money in any exchange. I don't care which it is. It's not worth it. And make sure you read your terms and conditions. And you're going to find what I'm saying to be the truth, which is all of them have the same entrapment verbiage in their terms. So you say, well, then what are you supposed to do if they all can rip you off that way? Risk. It's all about risk. I, that's why I can't tell you what to do. It's your risk tolerance. I just need to make sure people understand. Nothing that Mexi has done in this situation is necessarily, quote, wrong. Because if they wrote it in the terms, the terms that you're supposed to read, and you didn't read it, they didn't do anything wrong. And I did read myself in the terms where they essentially said, Essentially, I, I paraphrase, we are a casino. If you're starting to beat the house, we'll take our money back. That's effectively what they're saying. So I'm not defending them. I'm telling you what is, which is why I have very low sentiment around any of the different exchanges. And I certainly do not do the gambling type of trades because I know what it means. I know what it is. If you're going to do any of these types of things, Doing it on the descend side is a little bit smarter. Now, there's issues there, too. But you certainly don't have this kind of nonsense happening to you. The give and take of this is that trades are slower. The fees may be higher. You don't have support. There's all these gives and takes. That's the risk aspect. And you have to make that choice. I can't make it for you. I'm just warning that this is a thing. So that's MEXC Global. I would never advocate them. I would never advocate any that do this kind of crap. But I call it to attention because there may be people out there that were considering it or are already in it. 
And I don't want those people to get ripped off. In closing, I'm going to be talking about a couple of tokens simply because I want to share some thoughts as price volatility seems to have surfaced themselves. Bone is at the top of my list to talk about. Bone is down to 69 cents as I record this. I think it went back to 70, but 69 cents as I record this. We have tons of voices coming across various forms of social media that made statements from the SHIB team that said that they were basically accumulating bone to do a large sell so that they can buy back and burn on SHIB because SHIB supply is too damn high. Let's assume that's the case. Let's assume that's what's happening. It's fine if it is. I don't think it's a major problem. Here's why. Bone, from a liquidity pair perspective, Bone is no longer main liquidity on ShibaSwap. That's actually a good sign. Its pairs now primarily are on the centralized exchanges. The reason I think that's generally good, irrespective of this allegation made about selling bone, the more centralized exchanges, something with this low of a supply get on, the more activity, the more volume, the more awareness is going to be in place, especially if each of those exchanges start to do their little giveaways and all those things for loading up. The missing pieces, Shibarium, connect to where you can transact, as in withdraw deposit, from Shibarium to Shibarium from the centralized exchanges, which requires them to integrate Shibarium into their technology. The vast majority have not done so. The net result is that most people who are transacting Bone are still doing it on Ethereum. The reason that this delay of timing of getting this done is so vital as a key as to why things are going south, Ethereum's gas is starting to spike again, just like it did in 2021. I noticed the estimates. It's getting up to 70 bucks, 80 bucks. It doesn't actually charge that. I'm saying the estimates are going up. Meanwhile, you got BNB over there and it's like three cents and Polygon's free and Phantom's free. And I have an update on a Phantom here in a second. But the Enchibarium we know is basically pennies, if, if that. So the urgency of getting Shibarium integrated starts to jump. Seeing that it's not happening, seeing that it's not on Binance, seeing that it's not on Coinbase, seeing that it's not on Kraken and so many others, is causing negative sentiment in the community. And I don't know that that's going to get resolved by the end of the year. I'm pretty sure it won't. So then what happens in 2024 when we actually start bull running? Will Bone be left behind? No, because it's still going to be paired to Ethereum in certain of the pairs, especially if the pairs are primarily on the centralized exchanges. The Descend side, so Uniswap in this case primarily, will also have its pairs. And we have to look at that and we have to see what that affects price movement because we don't know how high Ethereum is going to go. But it's something to look at. It's something. It's not everything, but it's something. It certainly is worth, I think, the analysis. And my last, I talked about Phantom. And some listening to the show may have come from the Libero ecosystem, which was an absolute cluster of a mess. But it might surprise some of you to understand. There's, a, I, apparently, I didn't know this, but apparently am a whale in Phantom Libero. You know, the one that they left alone, the one they didn't screw up, except, you know, they killed off the wrapped phantom rewards because it was running out of money. I actually think it was a smart move because since they did that, 
Phantom Liberal has not been running out of money. But apparently I'm a whale on the Phantom Liberal side. Now, it doesn't take a lot of money to be a whale on the Phantom Liberal side because the vast majority of people sold, the vast majority of whales sold out of it. There are still some, but not nowhere near what there used to be. But it got me thinking. Being basically whale status on Phantom Libero, it means that my investment can affect price on this and trigger run. But it also means when Phantom, I'm talking the actual gas token, when Phantom goes on a run as it's going to go on a run, right now it's basically half where its all-time high was. Let's assume that it can go to 4X from where it's at. If it can theoretically go to 4X from where it's at, because it's paired to Phantom Libero, it means Phantom Libero has no choice but to go up as well. And I, I was curious to see what that price movement might look like because the rebasing is still happening. So you're still getting rebase rewards as people transact. And most of the transactions are sells. They're sells. Because what's happening is that and it's actually not even individual people. It's actually the same set of contract addresses that are doing small incremental sales, which I think, I don't know, but I think is tied to the liquidity. It's tied to keeping the liquidity healthy because the liquidity is still paired on Spooky Swap and uh, V2. I noticed on CoinMarketCap that it swears that the market cap's like, you know, 1800 bucks or something. I, I wouldn't doubt it. It wouldn't surprise me because I'm surprised that I would be considered a whale, frankly. <laughs> but when I did some deeper analysis, the liquidity pool is over a million bucks for Phantom Liberal. And they left it there. They renounced it. So they literally left this guy alone. After all those plans to do something with it, they left it alone and then left a pretty darn healthy liquidity. Now, it's certainly not... If you look in their dashboard, that straight lies. The numbers are a lie. And when you go to FTM scan, they're wrong. The numbers are wrong. The numbers are wrong. They're wrong on FTM scan. They're wrong on their own dashboard. And they're wrong on coin market cap. How is it possible that all these different sources are quoting numbers that are just flat out wrong? In the case of FTM scan, the numbers are grossly inflated. Same as with their dashboard. In the case of coin market cap, they're understated. So it got me thinking, well, what the hell is going on here? And my theory, and I don't have any evidence of this, but my theory is that there's something with Phantom itself. I'm talking the blockchain. Because I do notice that every now and then, every blue moon, the Phantom tokens will just disappear and reappear from one of my wallets for no real reason. And I think there's something wrong with the analysis of these, either that or Something's weird with Spooky Swap because it did swap to a new version where it's possible that the all these different tools are not reading the liquidity pools correctly. If I'm right, I can't say I am. If I'm right, I would expect that Phantom, the token, and FLibro by proxy could theoretically go to a 10x from where it's at. If it goes to a 10x from where it's at, that's a lot of money for a very small investment in FLibro. Now, there is a sale tax, but even with the sale tax, it's still a pretty good take if this turns out being something, considering that nothing's happening with it. It's not being transacted, just like Libero. It's not really, I mean, it is. There's still sales that are doing the rebasing, but I'm saying on, on, the, on the basis like it was before, that's not still happening. 
So I'm sharing that because I am intrigued at what may happen when Phantom goes on its run, considering it's still paired to F Libero. And I'm curious to see where that goes. This isn't like the tokens that are paired to BNB. I think most of those are dead or dying. But this one's unique because Phantom has had major runs at points. And it's pegged to go to a pretty large number in 2024. And I'm happy to follow up with what that looks like in the future. Meanwhile, we're coming close to New Year's. And I think the next time that you will hear from me is, yes, indeed, uh, Thursday, this 28th. And then after that, the next episode is the second after New Year's. I will be doing some urgent stuff for my endeavor on the first, the morning of the first. But we will be recording as normal the last, truly last update for you. We are, there's automations that post our episodes to Twitter. We're working on automations to post to Facebook. And then we're working on getting the email automations back up and running. That will happen at the beginning of the year. So all of our automations will be in place. What that essentially means is that will be our primary source of communication of updates will be these automations. Most of our other communications will happen through our Discord channel, CryptoTalkRadio.net slash Discord. Feel free to join us there for other updates and special requests as what Geechee provided. We offer that as a service. And we are getting back on video. I actually just set up one of the cameras. I set up the other camera. And then we'll be good to go. And then we'll start, hopefully, our first episode on the new situation in January. So I'm looking forward to that. Take care. I will talk to you guys on Thursday.